We are live. Yeah. Emergency podcast. Sound the alarm. Are we back? I think we're back. We just had a couple technical difficulties. We're about to try and tweet out all these links so that more people can join us right now because we are in the process of processing. You're in the process of processing the epic men's and women's 200 that just took place. We are on rattled. Day seven of the World Athletics Championships. I'm Chris Chavez, joined by Kyle Merber, Jasmine Todd, and Caitlin Hutchison in the boots. They just ran here. How are you guys feeling? <laughs> I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through fall training, guys. I'm not sure. I'm really tired and running with a cane. It's very difficult. Coach Green, Coach Ferg, if you see this, please pray for me. Uh, this emergency podcast brought to you by Tracksmith. Use code WORLDS for 20% off. You only get it through the end of the championship. Yeah, so you're running out of days. They are storytellers. We're storytellers supporting athletes and... All of the best in track and field, the roads, the marathons. Tracksmith does a great job of supporting athlete storytelling, and we're doing our best here at the World Championships. They're behind us. Um, and we encourage you guys to also check out Malcolm Gladwell's Legacy of Speed podcast, which really cool enough, uh, John Carlos and Tommy Smith, who were the subjects of that podcast documentary series, were in the stadium today to watch the men's 200. Tracksmith, subscribe to Legacy of Speed and 200. Use code world at traction.com. 200. Oh my gosh. We got reaction videos. Okay. What are you more fired up about right now? Noah! Oh my gosh. I, I have to say the men's sweep. How amazing was that? And Noah, first of all, the fact that it popped us up as a 1932 and then changed to a 1931. First of all, 93. Period. Fast. That was a very fast race. And I just want to point out that I actually really love where John Carlos and them were sitting. They're actually <laughs> up top. Uncle they, Johnny. they had the best seat in the house, I'm going to be honest, because we're kind of on that lower portion. Um, it's really hard to actually see the race and where everyone is. You could see where they are coming off the curb. But to see where they are on the finish line, he had like the prime spot. Wow. I, I wish I want to know where Michael Johnson was in that stadium. And Me too, actually. Well, he was in the BBC broadcast booth because he actually he gets to do an interview with Noah Lyles immediately after oh <laughs> Noah Lyles just broke his record. So that should be a special moment. I'm sure we'll see that clip on social media sh soon. So, uh, Kyle, do you want to break down the race? I don't know if you guys saw as well as we did where you were sitting. Noah beat Arion to the curve. Like yes. Off the curve. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that was it. That was yeah. the whole that race. That was it. That yeah. was the race. race. Is, yeah. That was literally the race. Once I saw how fast of a start Noah had, he ate that curb up. He started breaking that staggered within like maybe 30 meters. He was he was gone. He was out of there. Before the race, everything was all right. Ariana on the inside, lane three, Noah outside. He's going to try to get him off the curve. He's the best curve runner in the world. He's a, and Noah's the best finisher in the world. And that was the two worlds colliding. And then Noah just immediately was like, well, if you're good at the curve, I guess I have to be. And he beat him off it. You know what? It's not surprising, though. Noah kind of called what he wanted to run. He knew he wanted to run fast. He shut down. If You would be a fool to think that he would not have ran a 19.3. I think I talked to Caitlin about this. I kind of called it before um, when we did our, our little hot takes before each of the races. And uh, he shut down with a 19.6. And then in second place, the most disrespected... 
Kung Fu. Silver medalist. We need to put more respect on Kenny Bednarik's name. You know, he's, he just is so sound. Yeah. Right? He's like, consistent. it's consistent. When they announced him on the starting line and they showed that his world ranking was was number one, I was like, wait, hold on a second. Like, Ariana's run 19-4. Uh, Noah is the U.S. champion. How is he ranked number one? And Kyle, you had to explain to me. I mean, he just consistently races at all these diamond leagues he, and racks up the points and wins. He races constantly. He's not scared to travel the world and hop in a 200, win some diamond leagues, and he just always shows up. I, I, without even looking it up, I can't even think of the last time he wasn't on a podium in a race. Like, he's always top threes, w- winning first or second all the time. Kenny knows how to show up when it matters. Like, the fact that Kenny came out and pulled it, uh, you, you've got to put respect on Kenny's name. Kenny, Kung Fu Kenny. Come on now. And there's a lot of hype about how young, you know, our 200 runners are. Noah's now kind of a veteran. He has a second world championship, but he's still very young. Kenny's only 23. It's a baby. And, you know, he, he wasn't this highly touted recruit coming out of high school into college he was juco right yes and just has slowly progressed little by little by little i mean if you look at his season's best he he runs in 2016 21.9 2018 20.4 2019 19.8 then 21 19.6 silver at the olympics Right, silver, yes. third, silver. Sil- silver. Twenty twenty two comes out silver at the world championships. You gotta put respect on his name. I think the the issue with track and field is we we kind of stick to these big names and we start to discredit some of those people, but he has shown time and time again he is a two hundred runner. He knows how to show up when it matters. He's got medals to back it up, so it's definitely time to come on now, Kung Fu Kenny. What makes him good? Like what's his thing compared to Noah being the great finisher and Ariane being the great starter curve runner. You know what? I don't even know. If I'm being honest, yeah. like I feel like he just all around, he's I don't see anything that's like spec like super spectacular. Like we we saw Noah's normally a finisher and we know Ariane is like he knows how to end the race. I think Kenny is just that perfect mixture of the both of them where he's got the best of both worlds and neither one outweighs the other. He's like uh, Mario and Mario Kart or like a Yoshi, yeah. you know? That, not quite the Bowser, sense. not quite the Toad. <laughs> <laughs> he's got like three out of five, more like four out of five stars on every <laughs> ability level. Yes. He's just consistent. And that's probably why we see that consistency in his races because he always, it's not like he's dependent on one thing one thing he can make up uh, for a bad start yes and he can also rely on it's just he's just there and i think the whole time in this race we were looking at you know arian and noah, and noah and meanwhile kenny i i didn't even realize until the very end that he was taking second yeah. i realized so we kind of just uh because i've got twitter open right now we were wondering like oh Noah Lyles broke Michael Johnson's record. What's Michael Johnson thinking right now? He actually just went on the BBC. There's a tweet from Nick Zaccardi from NBC Sports who just uh, tweeted a screenshot of what Michael Johnson said. You want to hear it, Kyle? It's your best friend, Michael Johnson. Very good friend, Michael Johnson. (laughs) He said, I knew that he was going to run faster than 1932 someday. To be honest, when you've held the world record, you don't really focus on the national record. (laughs) 
That's so that's Michael. That's so good. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a that's such a good I, quote. Yeah, you know, you have to wonder like how long he's been thinking about that because like there's guys who've been like just inching closer so and close. closer, and that he's like, you know what? At one point, I held the world record. So yeah, I mean, he's had that American record for what twenty five years or something Oof, longer long than time there's been a lot of really, really good yes. sprinters between the two. I that's. That shows you how remarkable that record is. Yeah, Noel Lyles wasn't even alive when that record. Oh was, my was gosh. Has anyone told him about it? <laughs> what? The record and Michael Johnson's <laughs> legacy? Probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll inform him. Um, and then, you know, we were kind of celebrating for our man Joe, who, you know, yes. the Gator. Um, yes. He American born, Minnesotan, running for Liberia. Uh, but uh, you know we were still cheering for him. We were saying one, two, three, four, kind of. Uh, that's what I called. I I said American sweep. The only person that could break it up, the only person I would want to break it up is Joe. Uh, he was out at that line. We were cheering for him. We gave him the little gator clap, and you couldn't be more proud. I think if you're following that NCAA track and field, you can't not cheer for Joe. Caitlin, you're someone who has uh, is more plugged in. She's with still the, out of breath. Yeah, she's still <laughs> she's she's catching her breath, breath guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's funny. You're speechless from this race. She's never been to like a pro track meet until like a week ago, and we just threw her in with the lions. How was that for you? I was gonna ask you about Joe, but I mean, it seems like you're just on cloud nine. <laughs> huh? What was that, Caitlin? I said that shit was nuts. <laughs> okay, um, okay, so Jasmine knows the lady who was sitting next to me was absolutely pissed off at how excited I was. She was That's like, Christian Taylor's wife. What? Not just the lady next to you. Did you know you. that? That <laughs> was Christian Taylor's wife. Continue. Never mind, I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> good save, good save. Good um, save. Never mind. <laughs> All right, you, so what were you doing that the, the section around you was starting to realize you were a diehard? Um, I was just screaming a lot, and everyone was plugging their ears. <laughs> How cool was the stadium atmosphere with the Jamaicans, with the, what's it called? The Vuvuzelas. The Vuvuzelas. Um, they said among Team USA, right? Well, like well, in that area? Yeah, they they were pretty close to. I don't even really like. So Team USA, Team USA's team was on the opposite side of the track towards a 300 meter start, but in the area that we have been sitting, um, it's more of the USATF staff and then a lot of the legends and then also a lot of Oregon alum is there but mixed in there is a whole bunch of Jamaicans left and Infiltrated. right. You they they are squeezing in there they've got their flags they've got their blowhorns they are going crazy and we actually stopped and i think you guys saw us taking pictures with some of the fans but we had to let them know how much we appreciate them because the love that they have for their country we want our fans to start bringing over to the team usa and i think they really appreciated hearing that because how can how can you go against those fans? Well, okay, we got more from Michael Johnson. Oh, because oh. they took a commercial break and then they did a Sharika Jackson interview, and so they came back to Michael and he said, "I will, I will text him and say, hey, absolutely, congratulations." But I think for Noah, I don't think he really cares about the American record. He wants a world record. I think it might be within his reach. 
high praise from the greatest of all time. Wow. <laughs> so just to quickly run down how we get to Noah's fourth fastest of all time. First place is Bolt 1919. We're familiar. Second fastest ever is Johan Blake, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. a lot of people forget about. Yeah. 1926. Third, Bolt ran 1930 one other time in uh, Beijing, and then we go to Lyles in fourth. You so know, then just think of everyone who's behind. The craziest <laughs> thing, though, is he even admitted today in that interview that he started breaking down in his form. And so he felt like he was running slow, and he was scared of the time that was going to pop up. I think that's kind of scary because that just shows he really isn't used to running that fast yet. And now that his body has reached it, he's going to get more comfortable with that speed, which means I definitely see a world record coming from him. It is nuts that, like, uh, nuts. to steal Caitlin's word, <laughs> Usain Bolt's records for us and for our generation have just been, like, I think this thing's going to stand for a while. Mm -hmm. Tonight's the first night that I think, like, that 200, which was Bolt's favorite event, are in jeopardy. Can I, uh, can I ask a technical question yeah. right now, Jasmine? I hope you're ready. Because I think Marvin or Trayvon had made the comment about like running with the wind and running a really fast time, even if it's wind-dated, benefits you afterwards. Like Once you've experienced what it's like to run a certain speed, absolutely. the subsequent races that happen after that are positively affected. And you were just kind of mentioning the fact that Noah has never been there before, and now that he has that, that and feeling. has felt what that's like, he can harness I don't understand. <laughs> so running with the wind to your back, not to your front. <laughs> when the wind is to your back, it's like doing overspeed. So a lot of sprinters, when we get out there, when we're training, we do these overspeed workouts. For the most part, we're getting pulled. I'm sure some people have seen um, Marcel Jacobs with the, it kind of cuts off the wind. Mm -hmm. That's his form of overspeed, I think. It, here in America, for the most part, we're getting pulled. Your body's starting to get used to... Like a, a bungee. Yes, with the okay. bungee cord. Someone's typically pulling you on the other end. And when you're getting pulled, or even if you get pushed, you know, your body's getting propelled forward. Your body's not really used to that. But <clears throat> the more that you're doing it and the more consistent you're getting, your body's getting used to that feeling. And that's that's probably one of the prime um workouts that that sprinters will do so that their body's getting used to running at such a fast speed so is that why when we see someone have a breakthrough that it's it Gets just better. keeps happening only goes up from there yes interesting so i want to quickly go over a couple stats that were sent uh via world athletics in oregon 22 from that race <laughs> so obviously we saw noah lyles 1931 30 fastest time in history beats the uh, American record. Uh, Kenny Bignarik, uh is part of the sweep, so, so is Noah Lyles. This is the second time the U.S. has swept the 200. Uh, the first time was in 2005. It's the fourth event sweep of these world championships, and it's a, this is the first ever world championships with four medal sweeps because we had the uh, men's 100, 200, men's shot put, women's 100, uh, Noel Lyles becomes the third man to defend his world championship title in the 200 meters after Usain Bolt and Calvin Smith. And then Ari Knighton 
at 18 years old in 174 days. He is the youngest medalist ever in the men's 200 meters and the second youngest in an individual event at the World Championships after Richard Tulimo uh, ran the 10K at 18 years old in 127 days in 1991. Arianine's 19.8 third place finish uh, ties him for the best ever third place finish in history after Christophe Lemaitre uh, of France in 2011. So something that you probably got to experience a little bit with Ariane was like, he is a, a competitor mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know, he missed out on a medal in Tokyo. How do you think, you know, you, you got to spend a couple days with him in Tampa earlier this year. How do you think he's going to process this third 18 years old, youngest ever to get a medal like that? Well, he, he wants gold. Like that was evident in the video that we've done on him, which you guys can go back and find on our YouTube channel. Uh, he doesn't like to lose. I've said that, you know, 50 times on this podcast by now. Um, but the one thing is that he's surrounded by these people who put him into a the right headspace. He's working closely with Coach Jonathan Terry, who we're hoping to um, get uh, on the line pretty soon. Mac, if you can go ahead and text JT um, and send him the link. Uh, what's that? You don't have his number? I have his number. So send me the link, and I'll, I'll send it over to him. Um, we'll, it's the latest link you sent me? Perfect. Um, I will So this is Ariane's coach. Yeah, Jonathan Terry, who was his AAU coach. And it, it, he's stuck with him this whole entire time. It's That's kind crazy. of Yeah, reminiscent of the fact that, um, you know, Usain Bolt with Glenn Mills. Like, they were a tag team that went on and on forever. And... Arian has run really fast under Coach JT's uh, uh, guidance. It sounds like you know my, uh, Coach Mike Holloway has been a big part of that as well. So it's a, it's a tag team, but Arian trains by himself in Tampa. He's he takes some time during the week to go up to Gainesville. He drives himself up to Gainesville in a really nice car. The kid <laughs> loves cars, and he spends time surrounded by the likes of Grant Holloway and all the Florida Gators, and so. He's openly said that if he would have gone to college, he would have been a Gator. And those are people who have talked. When when Grant Holloway went on uh, Jasmine and Caitlin's podcast, he said that he constantly reminds Arian that he needs some hardware in order to be remembered in this sport. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's got the fourth fastest time in history. That's nice. Well, now he gets bumped down to number five after tonight because uh, Noah kind of retakes that spot ahead of him. But... He's got that forever now, right? He's at least like in the top five. No, no one really remembers times. He could have been, you know, top ten, whatever. They remember the champions. They remember the medalists. So the first step is bringing home a medal. And uh, for Arian, he probably definitely wanted gold. But tonight, bronze is a big step forward. When uh, he's just sort of, he's only eighteen. Did you see any? interaction afterwards or body language i know that there was a little bit of a rivalry developing there but yeah. then to do one two three with team usa teammates something that all of the guys had said previously they wanted to do that was important to them did you did you guys notice yeah. anything i mean it's it's uh i'm sure they they, they like there's a f- fire between both of them and Noah's a showman he's never mm-hmm. he's gonna let people know how good he is just because, I mean, in in this sport, you have to be vocal in order to break through to yeah. the, to the mainstream, and you know, I it, it wasn't immediate. 
they all posed for a photo together, I'm sure. Arian, when he came through after the first round in the mix zone, was talking about, and even in the second round, he was excited for the potential of a U.S. sweep. He's someone who, uh, you know, a medal would is a success for him. Winning gold is probably the gold uh, was a gold, but um, he should. It's I got the 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 temperature that he seemed to be pretty happy. I mean, there's a photo of him right now that I that I just stumbled upon on Twitter where um, he's all smiles <laughs> smiling in a selfie. So it's it's good to see he seems to be in good spirits. Yeah, I mean, he also mentioned in that post race interview that first he said it's my first international medal, and then he's had to stop and like, wait, this is my first medal. I think it, I don't, I think it's going to take him a minute to fully soak in what just happened. I know he had gold on his mind, but I know he's going to appreciate this first medal because he knows this is just beginning for him because he's so young. Um, Noah was showing Arion like a lot of love. Like I know after like USA's, everybody was like, oh, Noah, you're like disrespectful. Like you're a piece of shit for like pointing at him. But <laughs> Noah was like, it literally had nothing to do with him. And two, like, I don't hate the kid. <laughs> Also, like we're competitors, like what, like what do you want me to do? But then, after Noah was like singing his own praises as he should after breaking the American record, he goes straight to Ariane. He's like, "This is the greatest curve runner in the world." Like it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't fake or anything. It was literally just an outpour of like love and respect um, for the fact that like this kid at 18 years old um, was almost like was the favorite to whoop Noah's ass tonight to, yeah, to be entirely yeah. honest. And so obviously Noah took that to heart as a guy who also doesn't like to lose. He's like, I'm, I'm not going to let that happen. Um, and then, you know, after giving Ariane a lot of praise, I think it went on for at least like 60 seconds, like literally just talking about how much he loves the kid goes on to Kenny and then starts giving him the exact same amount of love and attention. It's just like, you know, they've been talking about this suite for a minute. They found the three pieces to put it together and there was like no hate between them. I'm also just going to speak. I want Kenny on this show. Yeah. I want, I'm calling, I'm going to make some phone calls after this. Cause I want to hear more from Kenny. Cause we got, we got the world needs to know more about him, but something that I think is so cool about Noah, one of his, um, you know, greatest assets is obviously he is a showman i mean the second he came out onto the stadium he's pointing to the sky got the the crowd hyped before the gun goes off and immediately after when that clock popped up 1931 the rip of the singlet the you know he's an adidas athlete he's got that nike symbol on his chest well i'm sure uh someone you get know. him a new one for the reason yeah. possibly <laughs> i think that they have a few um you know, like just those pictures are already iconic. So cool. But something that I've really learned to appreciate about him is how much he is a student of the sport. And I believe, was it after the prelim? It was, or after the semifinal, there was the interview in which he used a mask to demonstrate yeah. these blocks yes. and why they are different and the lip and the reaction time and how you have to be so steady in them compared to the previous blocks that are often used in high school and college and even pre previous races and it's just like that is such a detail oriented mind and to be that analytical he's not just running fast like he is studying his opponents he's studying the sport I'm sure he's watched Michael Johnson's 200 meter record dozens and dozens of time and so um I think as, from an outsider's perspective for many years as a distance runner it was just like yeah you just sprint yeah. So, it's, you know, what's funny is like I was just thinking about the fact that uh, my first ever interview podcast with Noah Lyles was in 2018. 
<laughs> um, and he was the young rising star. And we sat down in a hotel in Boston. This was during Boston Marathon weekend. Um, Adidas was putting on the Boston Boost games. And he'd never done a podcast before. And we're kicking back. And at the ver- it was it was incredible. When I asked him sort of like who he looked up to and like obviously a, a kid that young, Arian's getting the same questions now, like, you know, how he looked up to Bolt or anything like that. And he said, you know, he doesn't have any idols or icons in the sport he is his own icon he actually i think has the word icon tattooed on like his ribcage uh because for the longest time i think like that's how he's wanted to think he doesn't want to be the next usain bolt he doesn't want to be the next michael johnson he's wanted to be Noah Lyles. And tonight, I think, was a night that he really not only just stamped himself atop the U.S. record books, but in in history now as a two-time world champion. I think something that we've been talking about numerous times this week is how do we, or like, what's going on outside this little track bubble? Like, we're really excited about the one, two, three sweep in the 100, and now we're really excited about that one, two, three sweep in the 200. But is the rest of the world seeing it and we did see it earlier in the season when Arian took down Bolt's record in the, as a the U20 and now I I am hopeful that Michael Johnson is a big enough name that Noah taking down his American record can get some traction and play in media outside of the city's walls. So you know what I'm I'm telling you right now I'm, I've got Twitter open I've got a column on my tweet deck that just kind of observes sport uh, bigger sports media accounts from across you know all a, a lot of major news outlets. Um, this is back from my Sports Illustrated days. I've been using this thing <laughs> and. In the middle of this column, I'm looking at it right now, The Athletic has retweeted of the video of Noah winning the race. Sports Center has tweeted the video of Noah winning the race. Um, I saw people from ESPN tweeting about it. Uh, here's Josina Anderson, uh, who's got, let's see, 200,000 200, followers, but is an NFL insider tapping into that audience. So I think tonight may have made a little bit more noise than the men's hundred. Maybe Michael is a big reason for that. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, Noah's the personality. Noah is vocal. He's not, he's not going to go let this one go quietly. I think. Whereas Fred, you know, he's a little bit quieter and, and shyer. I think Noah really wants to put it out that like, Hey, like this is a big deal. Here's why you should watch. I've got more. The only thing we need next is a four by one American record. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, I'm hoping that this race can highlight how amazing this is. The men just swept the 100. They then followed up sweeping the 200. If this does not have everybody excited to see what this 4x100 is about to do, you're insane. You better tune in for that because I think they're going to go in hot for the prelims and they're going to run something absolutely ridiculous coming into that final. And I had went on Twitter like earlier this week and obviously we've been hanging out with all the potential um, people who could be running. And I had tweeted that, you know, I know everyone's like super worried about the four by one, but like literally been chilling with them all week and everyone's on the same page about like not embarrassing the U.S. <laughs> men's four by one for the gazillions time for whatever reason. And literally something that I found interesting is that every time when one of those guys came over to the house, like someone always mentioned relay practice. And I know the biggest concern about the Olympics last year was, you know, finding out the day of not practicing, 
whole bunch of rumors about egos and whatever, whatever. But like that is just simply not the case. Like when me and Jasmine were talking to Trayvon and Marvin, literally talking about how they were racing each other during relay practice because they're just so tuned into wanting to, you know, like to like make it happen. Like Noah was talking about, you know, breaking the world record in the four by one because that's just how bad that all of them want it. And just know all twenty five billion combinations of this four by one that could possibly come out tomorrow and the day after, it's it's set up for success. Well, some someone was missing from this race today, and you know that's Fred, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the fastest man in the world. Um, it would have been great to see him in there. Maybe we could have got a one, two, three, four, five winky face, uh, sweet. <laughs> and, and he won't be available for the four by one. Uh, we won't reveal our sources, but I know, um, you know, hearing that when he unfortunately, you know, pulled up in that two hundred, it sounds like it's not so, like we're going to see him the rest of the year at some point yeah. for sure. But just you know, I think the U.S. men, the way they've performed in the 100 and 200 is so far ahead of the second best country right now. Like there is yeah. no there is not even a question of like if the fourth best guy in the U.S. men's team is the fourth best runner in the world, then like the next best team's fourth best person is 30th. Like it's it's not even so it's just about getting the stick around healthy Yes. smoothly and it seems like the team's got some good chemistry yeah i think they've got really good chemistry i think uh team usa learned from last year not having a relay camp how detrimental it was to our team so they came out i know they've had they had a relay camp prior to this which is normal so i'm so glad that they were able to do that they've been practicing these guys are ready to go it doesn't matter who they have on this team they, they've got the chemistry, they're all ready, they know what they wanna do, and because of the fact that they are all on the same mindset with this four by one, it it's gonna be something remarkable and I cannot say that enough. Well, the thing about like, that we're harping on is the depth of the United States. Uh, someone just noted it in the YouTube chat that Steve Magnus pointed this out on Twitter, the 100, 200 sweep, six different guys. Yes. That's death. Yeah. We were actually talking about that this morning with Loggy's coach um, post daily show. And he's like, you know, if we pull this like thing off in the 200, like we've never had six different guys sweep the one in the two. And like that's going to be history before everyone's eyes. Can I do one more Michael Johnson? Uh, You're like yes. one more for my best friend. Okay. <laughs> Again, from Nick Zaccardi, who's been on top of this, I guess, watching the, the BBC broadcast or even uh, he might be on NBC, but Noah Lyles did an interview, and he said that his back arched in the final 30 meters, quote, like Michael Johnson, which refers to Michael Johnson, tra- Michael, Michael Johnson's trademark upright stance. Um and he, then he gave a quick shout out that his dad raced against Michael Johnson at the 1995 uh, U.S. Championship. So cool. there's that uh, connection between the two. So, I, I mean, when we were sitting down with Trevor Bassett earlier and, and we we're saying how, like, his story, you know, is storybook made for, like, a film, like his whole season. I think Noah, again, you know, we, when RG3 was sitting here with uh, Trayvon Brumell and Marvin Bracey and talking about these Netflix movies... Kyle, I hate to say it, but like distance runners are not as interesting as, as our sprinters, and the sprinters just totally deserve so much more. It's like, not a hot take. Have you hung out with distance <laughs> runners and hung out with sprinters? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the, again, like we, we harp so much on the athlete storytelling that 
there needs to be so much more done. You can't tell it in the in it during a TV broadcast. You know what I loved and I hope he does again was RG three after the four hundred hurdles did the thing where he like popped his face up on the screen <laughs> yes. and he like broke down in such a cool thirty second recap that it's like if you didn't know anything was happening for a casual fan now like watch a few of those on TikTok yes. and all like that's you just digested everything that happened in the World Championships. I'm calling Robert out. I want to see that for the 200. I, I want that breakdown because it's just such a nice, succinct way of telling the story in a really, really small, palatable way yes. that can, you know, just proliferate beyond the scope of our walls. Do you yeah. want me to text him right now and be like, hey, when's the... We want to see that. Yeah, okay. I had yeah. retweeted. I'm like, we need more of this. I loved it. Who wants to take the women's 200? <laughs> There was no chance. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like Jasmine's got the recap summary. There was no chance, you guys. That was insane. First of all, I I just had to watch Shelly come off that curve. Shelly ran the hell off that curve. Like, she, she ate it up. She was breaking that stagger. And I think that's where Sharika had the benefit of seeing that her teammate, her her partner, Shelly is up there. She can see where they're at. She knows what she needs to do. She ran the hell of that curve as well. They come off that curb and I they're just honestly, I mean, shout out to Dina because Dina came in and snuck in that that third place. I you know what, Caitlin, I want to hear your take because you had a pretty hot take. Yeah, someone just I called think, you out in the chat. I think you might need oh. to apologize to Team Jamaica right now. I'm not now. apologizing. What? Okay, oh, you have to no. okay. what year? She never no. said what year. No. <laughs> she said Abby was going to win, but she did, you, did, you guys didn't let her finish her sentence. I'm not apologizing because team, like that's, that's my teammate. Why would I not root for my teammate to win? So no, I'm not apologizing. And I already knew that Team Jamaica was fast. So I would need everyone to stop calling me like a butthead on Twitter and on YouTube. That's hurtful. What? Ouch. You know what? I'm not, you know, I don't even know. I'm, Ouch. I am proud of Abby. That's all I'm going to say back to Jasmine. No, a Abby definitely ran a hell of a race she's had such a long season that's one thing that everyone has to keep in mind she's gone through the whole collegiate season that's indoors outdoors training to compete indoors and outdoors and then having to to tag along so honestly abby amazing job for taking this fifth place this is just a start for you because now you're you're entering into this pro circuit um, I think that she will be in contingent for coming back with a medal next year because now she's not going to have that long season under her belt. But sheesh. Okay, guys, I don't want to talk about Abby right now. I want to talk about Sharika Jackson. Like, oh, we, we, just, we cannot bury this lead. That number popped up and I was like, never seen that before. 21 championship wanna, uh, record, I was personal dead. best, national record. <laughs> number two all time, right? Number two all time. I don't, I don't, what else can you say? Do you want to know something else i could say apparently the world athletics uh gave the splits do you want to know first hundred 1104 second or no wait hold on the national record of 2145 was 1104 for the first 100 meters on the curve 1041 for the second 100 meters holy sh yeah meh, eh, yeah god damn that girl is running i don't i ain't got words anymore like she was fucking gone <laughs> excuse my language it's allowed it's allowed i'm so sorry you guys but she's gone and the fact that her first 100 on a curb is an 1104 
is actually sickening because it's hard to run on a curb. The curb is and the wind. If, if people are wondering, point six. All right. Shout out to the wind. I'm gonna be honest because this. this Look into the camera and say something nice about the wind. <laughs> shout out. Which camera am I looking at? <laughs> I don't. I can't even see over there. But shout out to the wind because <laughs> the wind plays a lot of games, and this makes it legal. No games tonight. This it played no games. So actually, it did play a little bit of games because the wind was kind of whirling around. I was watching the triple jump, and there was a little bit of a negative wind, positive wind, but it didn't get too windy. So I know everyone doesn't understand, but the wind plays such a big part in these sprints, and anything over a 2.0 is it. We don't want it really. Um, so that that makes this time Chris, even more legitimate. I kind of wanted you to talk so a little bit more talk about, about the, the air pressure. Let's systems. talk about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, it's more it's more so like both races were win legal. Do you think, Kyle? We talked a little bit about this with, uh, I believe it was Michael Johnson about had it not been win legal and we would have got like a plus uh, over two win, like maybe a plus three, and no Lyles run something ridiculous. Faster than Bolt's record, but it's not the world record. Does that push him into the headlines a bit more? Like he's runs this is with Trey and Marvin because okay. we were talking about the argument they against hate it, flipping course, the track. Right. Like you want to run, or, hate it. yeah, of course. But for the mainstream media, yeah, of course. I mean, you always want the smaller number, but the then better. we end up in that weird situation where we have to explain to all the fans like it's not a world record because of the wind, and you're and you end up talking more about the wind. So all in all, you know, it was just a thought that I wanted to float out there. I'm more, I'm, I'm happy that the, it was wind league. I will yeah, say no, this. I agree. Bolt's world record was into a headwind. <laughs> so now <laughs> I'm like repulsive. <laughs> so now that's just like for some reason the 200 compared to the hundred in which you're obviously just running straight one way now for some reason that that that's always throwing me a little but anyway so how many medals is this for shelly and fraser price oh. oh my god i don't have that many fingers yeah okay it looks like it was it was she's a three-time olympic champion 10-time world champion four-time olympic game silver medalist and that's not counting four. any of the relay or that is the relays no i guess not uh maybe a couple oh anyway gosh. it's a ton um We'll have one of our stats people in the back um, look it up. Add up. You Get the calculator. <laughs> but, I mean, she's this is it, she was one of those people, okay, there was no press conference after the Women's 100 because Shelly Ann needed to rest. Clearly, she got her rest and put on a show today, too. Um, and the best part, I think, about this was that last year, I felt like, correct me if I'm wrong, there was a lot of assumed uh animosity between Shelly Ann and Elaine right like I felt like a lot of people tried to prop them up as as rivals and they weren't really that friends and that close today I think what we saw there was like I think there's a photo that's going uh viral on on Twitter right well, now Elaine ultimately that, finished yeah Elaine faded to seven yeah but there's a photo of Sharika and Shelly Ann hugging and P the Jamaican Twitter is blowing up right now so uh, I'm not sure. Like maybe there's someone in the chat who can lend they a little train bit together? more information. Um, I, I believe they were training together. I don't think she's training with that group anymore. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I will say is I did see how everyone kind of plastered that that rivalry against them. I think of that just kind of how we looked at 
Noah and Arion, to be honest. It it it's was a little a storytelling. Moment. It's a little storytelling. It was right after a, a, a hot race. They're competitors. But at the end of the day, I literally, when we were in Puerto Rico, Shelly was there and Shelly did not compete. Elaine was running. And so to me, I think that they they have this friendship. I don't see any hatred between them. We're competitors. So sometimes things get a little spicy, but you kind of shake things off. You you rub it off. You're like, all right, but we're still friends at the end of the day. Do you want to give a shout out to Tamara Clark, fourth at the Olympic trials last year, sixth in the world this year? What? I was hoping you'd want to give uh, her a shout out. How did I beat you to that shout yeah. out, Caitlin? I love Tamara. Go Bama. What's, roll Tide. That's what you got to say. Yeah. No. Um, You're a college correspondent? <laughs> yes, we are here. Um, ESPNU. Is that what it's called? I'm, I'm taking John's job. Um, but yes, I'm very, very proud of um, Tamara because I'm. I said this like during USA's like when she actually made the team that um, you could just tell there was like a lot of fight in her. I mean, she was going up against so many amazing women on the USA team. And we all know when it comes to the sprints, very, very difficult to make. But literally watching her face come down that like 200 runway, not runway, but 200 straight away. I'm like, this girl is going to come out here um, to world championships in in. And try to and try to podium and, and unfortunately that didn't happen this time. But I still think she ran a really great race. She's still really really young, um, and I think that her and Abby will honestly be our next two American women um, alongside Jenna that will kind of try to break up what what Jamaica has going on. And I said this about the women's hundred earlier this week too. Like our women are really fast, but they're also like not as seasoned as like. Shelly and Elaine, who, who've been in the game for a really, really long time. Like, Shelly's 35 years old. She's got a kid. Don't look like she's stopping anytime soon, because if I was running that fast, I would just rack up as many medals as I could until I just completely passed out. But um, <laughs> I... Mood. I think... I think people need to give her a little bit more attention, and I think the same... I know Brittany's not here, but I'm, I'm going talk to her, talk about her as well, but... <clears throat> Tamara reminded me a lot of, of Britney when she came out um, to Doha in 2019. Brittany Brown. Uh, Brittany Brown in 2019 and, and, and ended up making the podium. So I think I think our girls will be fine. So, so we'll give you a quick statistical rundown of that women's 200. So obviously there's still one more person we have to talk about. We'll see what the statistical says. Yeah. All right. Sharika Jackson, 21.45, second fastest time in history after Flojo's world record of 21.34, which... You know, a lot of people are up for debate on that one. The time betters the championship record of 2163 set by Daphne Skippers in, in 2015. This is a Hayward Field and an all-comers record. Um, Silver went to Shelly Ann Fraser-Price, second fastest mark ever uh, for the World Championships after Elaine Thompson's 2166 in 2015. 2015 was a really fast year. Um Jamaica's gold and silver was the sixth time that a nation put two women on the podium in the 200 meters and the second gold silver after the United States did that in 2005. Dina Asher-Smith, the defending champion in the event, won a bronze medal running 22.02, which is the second fastest mark for uh, third place at the World Championships. And this was the fifth gold medal for Jamaica in the 200, which moves them ahead of the United States, who has run the race, who has won the race full time, four times. That is your statistical breakdown, courtesy of World Athletics for the women's 200 meters. Shout out to them for that. <laughs> Dina Asher Smith. You've been you've been high on Dina Asher Smith uh, the last couple uh, the past week. We yeah. love Dina. 
because like she's been gone like for a while 2019 world champion in the 200 yeah and then i like heard a lot about injuries like really inconsistent with like showing up to races like whether or not she was running good or running at all and so i think a lot of people definitely counted her out and and unfortunately i guess that was easy to do so when you still have the likes of shelly and like other usa athletes and other jamaican athletes who just you know run stuff like this on a consistent and daily basis but i she proved herself in the hundred um you know got her medal there well no she did not get her medal there but she did get a national record slightly improved it and we haven't seen her run that fast since 2019 and um personally i did not have dina on the podium for you know my predictions but you know my women's prediction was completely screwed up so you know laugh at me if you want but (laughs) it was really exciting to you know see her you know fight so hard to get a PR in the 100, but then actually have that literally come together in the 200. Um, And no, it's not a goal, so, you know, she can't say she's two-time gold, but she made the podium, like, two Mm -hmm. um, two championships in a row, and I think that's something that a lot of people should definitely, you know, like, like speak more about like the girl's been gone for a while like yeah. nobody was thinking about her 2020 yeah. Yeah, there's only nine women uh in history who have meddled twice in in this event um so it's it's an exclusive Ooh. club that that she's yeah. in. so in tokyo think about it the fact that she was the world champion going in and then she got hurt during the 100 heats and then had to pull out of the 200 which is her better event and it was just like it got a lot of headlines because of course she would have been one of the favorites going in mm-hmm. but you know she was really raw in the emotion that she showed in Tokyo. And I think a lot of people have really felt that and her journey back. And we saw glimpses of it. And it feels like if there was another few days of racing that she'd be even better because we saw it early on in the hundred and it's just she's getting into shape right now and in form and is on the up and up. And she was someone who from a really young age has been in the spotlight, someone that, you know, especially the British knew we're going to be was going to be a world yeah. beater. And, you know, sometimes people have serious injuries and they don't come back when she's back. So it's great to see. But something that I had read earlier today that I thought was really cool. She's had the same coach since she was eight years old. Eight. <laughs> eight. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. The same. Who's coach? your coach at eight years yeah. old, Kyle? That's impressive. My coach. Um, I, I was coaching myself at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so this is kind of crazy because when you were bringing up some of the names from like 2019, it's like even the 2021, like I'm looking at the Olympic medalists for, from this. Elaine Thompson finishes seventh. Christine, uh, Umamba, uh, from Namibia. She was hurt this season. hurt this season. Scratches. Gabby Thomas is, I believe, in the relay pool. Um, here for the four by one, but didn't make the team. Had a hamstring injury during USA's that she recovered in time afterwards. And uh, so now, if you think about it, we had this epic race on our hands today, and the three uh, and two of the three Olympic medalists from last year weren't even in it. What could be in store for Budapest? Like, I mean, I'm yeah, excited. It's, it's I, it's too early to get excited. For Michael that? Johnson Very said to get rid of the 200. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he I normally his agree mind with now? him, and I would. I had initially agreed, <laughs> and now I'm having doubts because that was really fun yeah that was real i think the 200 is such a fun race i i have to disagree with them i think the 200 is where the one and the four meet in the middle yeah so you get the that's actually the true battle <laughs> quite literally of it and so i think that in itself builds such a great storyline which is what makes the race so great 
Yeah, it would just force athletes to pick 100 or 400, and you think like a star of Noah's caliber, would we not have him if there was only the 100 or 400? I feel like he'd probably be able to turn into a pretty good 400 runner, but um, should we go into like the early stuff? I kind of like when we start with hot, the finals, hot, hot <laughs> especially, you well, know, Stick with us, people. Park. We've got some <laughs> more takes and analysis on some of the biggest surprises that took place today. The women's 800 was boring. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, in truth, all the favorites got yeah, through. Yeah, yeah. It they was a little through. boring. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was only the first. Easy. I think the fun part for me, though, was sitting with the fans. And as they freaked out watching Raven run, I was like... Raven is not new to this. She is true to this. She got bumped around a couple times <laughs> she, hard, She though. did get bumped around, but one thing I know about Raven is Raven knows how to handle those situations very well. Yeah, so yesterday what we saw was none of the uh, American men uh, advanced. But now uh, we got all of and them. And now we got all the women. <laughs> yeah. so Chris, I'm going to throw this holding it down. your way. Who had the fastest time of the day? The fastest time of the day was uh, Deary B. Uh, with a... With that G, thank you for from, taking that from bullet Ethiopia. For me. <laughs> I mean, um, apologies to to our Ethiopian fans and listeners. Um, I, I did actually see, I didn't click the video, but there's someone on Twitter who tweeted out a video of a pronunciation guide for. Yeah, Ethiopian I think you should have clicked on that video. It's not should have clicked on that video. You know what? By the by, the time. We sit down to do this for the semifinal. I will have clicked the video and learned it. So apologies to Duribe. But 158, uh, 33, 83 is fastest time of the day. Gemma Riki's second fastest time of the day, 159.09. So that first heat's in the tone, it kind of said to everyone else. Yeah, and then, Don't you know, try. today, you know what? Like, good day for the Jamaicans in the 200, uh, but also a good day for the Jamaicans Yay, in the Natoya. 800. Natoya Gould, 2 flat 06. Adele Tracy, 159.20 for a personal best coming off of the 1500. So, um, yeah, I mean, pretty pretty solid day. I think Mo just jogging to a 2 flat, <laughs> to a one, whatever it was. Jogging. Casual. It so was casual. Yeah. Walked right up those stairs like she didn't do anything. QR yeah. code on the side that got some attention today. Yeah, you know, so the Q... Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, we no. only accept questions about QR codes from now on. <laughs> so the QR code that was on uh, a thing Mo's leg, people tried scanning it on TV. So it might be a little bit too quick. Um, and we posted a picture, and if you try to scan it, it could be a little bit difficult because she's at an angle. But it goes to a YouTube series um, that uh, was produced by World Athletics and U uh, Team USA, USATF, um, to... You know, helps tell, tell some of the athlete stories for, I believe, six athletes. Um, and so she was one of them. Ryan Krauser's another one. Uh, Grant Holloway was another one, but Grant Holloway forgot his on his backpack. Oh. And so he got in trouble um, <laughs> with, with them because it's like we, we spent all this money and like did this stuff to put you uh, to put you in the series. And Grant forgot it. You know what? Grant should have just made up for it and just like come on the show and brought the QR code oh, and let everyone yeah. do it. But um, alas, um, so yeah, that was the that was the big mystery behind the QR code. What was your question pre QR code? Um, I okay, I liked it in theory, but like if you're there at the meet, like you can't do anything about it unless you're sitting exactly where I am and you like can try to get them to stop. And be like, yo, like can I scan your leg? Because that's what I was able to do, like with the thing. You that's but, how you got it. Yeah, because Are I you guys tight now i don't think i don't know <laughs> Do you, i mean okay think okay so. because the thing is, is because like I think you guys are. the thing and is you, with a thing yeah. i think she likes thing, you 
Okay, a because lot. at USAID, I thought I made friends with like a lot of people, and then, like I would try to like talk to them as they came up the stairs, and like they wouldn't say anything back, or like they would act like they hadn't before seen me or before. After the race, I'm like they're in the midst of competing yeah, they're, at they're world they're the of competition. Caitlin. She's new to pro track. She's new to pro track. It's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna stop speaking now. Sorry. Wait, are you saying before or after? I was saying after. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. But well, maybe. I mean, she's also got to get. She like, was brief in the mix on She did give everyone a minute or two, but it wasn't like after the final at USA's where she stayed there for yeah, an this hour. This is. It's very different here at the World Championships. Yeah. Very, very different. I think so. That's that's, that's, a, that's a that's a point of contact, not just for for Caitlin, but also for like the the fans and the people who tune in and watch. And they're like, well, why didn't you guys interview this person? Or uh, why haven't I seen any you know quotes or interviews with that person? And it's sort of like sometimes an athlete is just locked in in the zone and just wants to keep walking. And, um, you know, they'll say, we'll talk after the final or we'll talk after, you know, the semifinal or until they're eliminated. And but then you don't really want to talk to them too much. Um, so, you know, that's someone like a thing like she just it maybe has to go down, go out to go get a cool down or something like that. And like athletes, you know, have their routine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 800 today. Did you get anyone in the mix zone that said anything of note? Um, honestly, no. It's you know, again, the favorites all made it through. It was kind of standard in that, and that's that's what you want. You want the favorites to make it through that first round. Uh, we want to see the big matchups. Keeley, Hodgkinson um, looked good, made it through. Mora from Kenya would be another athlete who we think is maybe a, a contender here. And ultimately, what was her official time? Who? Keely? No, Mora. Oh, Mary Mora was two flat, 0. 0.42. Okay, so, you know, the contenders all made it through. And then we had the men's 800 semis to quickly discuss. Does I mean, what do we have? Well, I'm just saying, uh, Shelly Ann Fraser-Price is currently live on, on her own <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. It looks like during the press, the press conference. conference. I just love when athletes go live after these big moments. She's turning the camera over to um, Sharika Jackson. She's sitting during the press conference. The, you know, here's the thing: how many people are tuned into this? Five thousand eight hundred. Good like, for the sport. That's pretty. They're good. hilarious in press conferences. So, what did you make of her hair? There, I freaking loved it. I was all in for it. I, Shelly and her wigs, the change up for me, absolutely amazing. It was the pink bust down for me. Come through, Shelly. <laughs> Keep it up. Don't change a thing. Did you guys see the tweets from the our middle-aged white male friend? Ah, forget them. Oh. Well, actually, it's funny because someone did just um, put out a tweet that <laughs> if it's bad, forget them. I don't want to hear. No, it. no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was good. It was it was kind of cool in oh, a way okay. because he was asking from such a point of like genuine curiosity. Curiosity. What and was, was it? And was like he just didn't know how wigs work i guess and like he's a good guy and everything like and he I just didn't know I and he obviously but everyone in jamaica was really genuine in explaining you to know him what? and it was and he like I apologized and it was kind of on our next podcast good twitter maybe uh, i can get caitlin once we go home i will do a tutorial on how wigs work <laughs> That's actually fairly interesting, I, I would say. That's our live. That's our live later I, this I week. I think we can. I think I can. I can handle that. Yeah. We could do that. Well, because the, then there was another tweet from tonight that uh, someone in the mix zone asked uh, Shelly about her wig choice for today, and said it was like, "Oh, this is uh, fuchsia," and he she was like, 
No, and like <laughs> said, like clearly you're a, uh, a, a guy because this is hot pink. Yes, yeah. I was about to say that is definitely a hot pink, but I. That's yeah. why we need you guys. That's why there. we need you. Yeah. That's why you guys have us here. We're all about fashion. All right, should we move to the men's eight? The men's eight hundred. So Emmanuel Courier, the Olympic champ. He didn't have like a crazy early season, and you know he wasn't like an upset or anything at the Olympics, but. It wasn't, for some reason, even I felt like last year winning the Olympics, Courier didn't get as much attention as he wanted, and then we entered this year. And he started off, you know, not slow, but he, he didn't come out that hot earlier in the year, but he's been getting better and better and better. At the Kenyan Trials, he ran like 44 point in the Open 400, which is just objectively good, let alone for an 800 runner. And he's he looked excellent in the first round. He looked excellent in the second round. I just don't think this is as open of a race as... The narrative has kind of said it's been oh it's anyone's 800 it's like what do you mean the olympic champion is in it and he looks amazing yeah yeah you got to yeah you got the chance to talk to him in the mix zone um and this one it's so hard to like get up for it because like we we don't have a pony don't have anyone in the race we have some but uh, you know i do think it's going to be is it going to be one of the slower 800 meter finals in recent history i mean what what is no because the olympics wasn't the olympics slow okay no i mean I, i'm gen- genuinely curious because like there is no big guy that i think pops to me aside from from career to push push the pace to uh make it like a 142 high race no yeah. one has run that fast in a while it, it and that's i think maybe why we're saying it is wide open and uh, you know i say that the 800 at the olympics was slow they still ran 145 but that's not you know, what Brazier won, won in in 2019. That's not what we were seeing out of Rudisha, if you remember those good old days. And so I understand the sentiment, but I I think Career's got this one. Yeah. Uh, Algeria, too, in the final. Interesting. Yeah. Algeria, I guess, like, the last time we had seen someone uh, medal in the middle distance races on the on the men's side for Algeria, uh, Taufik McLuffy, um, who has... I think kind of faded uh, and might be done uh, competing at this point. Uh, so maybe this is the next wave of, of runners that we're seeing from them. And, you know, I'd be curious because, like, again, pretty unheralded. Haven't heard much about these guys uh, before. So um, I mean, I, I'm curious to see what they throw down in a, in a global championship final. And then we do have a third Kenyan in. So Kenya gets three through. Uh, for North North American, yeah, I was gonna say I'm gonna lean into the North American uh, sort of like that's who we're rooting for. Yeah. So and Marco Arop, Canada's own Mississippi State, mm-hmm. nice. Um, really looked strong. Took it from the the beginning. Eventually, Moolah from Algeria took him over just at the end. But I, I'm curious if he's the one to make it honest. He's done that before. He's not afraid to run from the front. I think if there is a ticket to a 142 winning time, it's on the back of A-Rob. You know, the other thing, too, is sort of like it, it was just – this is the wild part about being at a world championship. It was just yesterday that we were talking so much about, like, the likes of um, – who was it? The uh, Moed Zahafi, like him possibly being someone to watch mariano garcia who won indoors and then spain had uh one other guy in there it was alvaro de arriba and gone just like that i mean the the 800 semis we we had this conversation a few days ago of what the easiest 
you know, round or prelim or whatever. I think, did we say the 200 for a good 200 runner was up there? Um, the 800 semifinals might be the hardest to knock down mm. from 24 to 8. Yeah. And that, that is a big drop. I mean, you can just get a bad lane, a bad heat draw in which you get the gold and silver medalist and, and you, you, you're done. Yeah. And that's what happens. I mean, it is. It's a tough one to make. It's brutal. And we lost some favorites, but manual career, we're calling it now. The I'm just kind of watching Twitter as this night goes on while we're here recording this podcast. And that's, I guess, the beauty of going live a little bit earlier. Uh, it's everyone's just, still reacting. Everyone's still reacting. Sunday Night Football tweeted about uh, Noah Lyles, and they said, uh, any interest in being a wide receiver? Please, oh please don't leave the sport now, Noah Lyles. Don't do that to yourself. Um, please we, don't. We, we please need don't. you. Um <laughs> All right, next up, Kyle, what we got? We're, uh, I think this is probably where we're going to finish unless we're going to write yeah. the 5,000 heats. Mm-hmm. Um, the f- really hot. <laughs> I thought we were watching the final. I'm not going to hold you. Like, with the second uh, he came around, I, you're like, who's I this? Thought, I thought I never, I thought in the 10K, I had never seen like so many people come to the line at one time and then the 5K just like, it, it was like 10 That's dudes literally what she said while we're sitting down i've never seen so many people come through that that was intense yeah that was really intense i mean so there's only five automatic qualifiers the first heat started slow and you know ultimately we end up getting one time from that first heat but yeah no they were really packed up and it was it was interesting watching them run in because First off, it's like, all right, you've got Salman Borrega, the Olympic 10K champ. You got Joshua Cheptegei, the Olympic 5K champ, world record holder in the 5 and 10, world championship 10,000 gold medalist. And then it's like, you got Oscar Chalimo, another great Ugandan runner. And then it's like, all right, Grant Fisher. <laughs> You you got you did not get a good draw like you got to make this through and I I forgot he was like hiding in the back for the beginning of the race <laughs> yeah. and then Abdi Nur I mean looked great in the final hundred meters Chris we had an opportunity to talk to him afterwards he was all smiles uh, he he said there's been some good workouts leading into this he put ink to uh, pen to paper and has signed a professional contract with Nike. Um, so he has turned pro. He will be staying in Flagstaff and continuing to work under coach Mike Smith. Um, so, you know, he's all smiles. He actually, you know, it was really funny is when in the mix zone, they have like these rows um, that the athletes have to just walk through. It's like a, it's like a maze. And uh, he is on one side of it. I'm turned back facing one wall and he calls my name. And so I turn around, but what he did was he ducked underneath uh, the the barricade so I couldn't see him. And then he pops up on the other side and starts laughing at me uh, for looking. And I was like, oh, all right. So he's, he's just, it's a little obvious. You, you <laughs> have to love this kid. He's all smiles. Um, and the thing was, it was sort of like we didn't get the chance to, while I was talking to him, the other heat was, was, was going on and he just kind of stuck right with Grant Fisher. Um, Grant Fisher actually kind of opened up a little bit of space for Abdi to make it through on the, on the inside in lane one. 
it wasn't intentional because I talked to Grant afterwards and I was like, was that on purpose? And he says, uh, if it looked like that, then yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's it, it's good to see that we've got, you know, another guy in the final. And yeah, Abdi says, uh, I said to him, what would be an A-plus day um, in the final? And he said, compete. Like, I just want to compete. And someone asked him, would you want it to be a slow or tactical one? He says, I don't care, whichever one. And same exact thing, Grant Fisher. Well, actually, Grant Fisher said, um, would you rather have a slow or a tactical final? He says, fast. So uh, those two guys are ready to go. Now, real quick aside on Abdi Hamid Noor is a lot of people obviously know of him uh, from his NAU success at NAU. Um, he was the indoor champion at NCAAs. And... You know, he's got a very fascinating story where he was born in Somalia, then spent some time in Egypt. It was a, you know, left the country, eventually found his way to the United States, settled in Arizona, and, you know, has kind of, you know, forged his own path in that way. Where um, the, it's a, it's a really good story. I'm hoping that uh, I can get him on the podcast. I actually messaged him right after, uh, right after NCAA indoors, and he said, let's do this after NCAA outdoors. And I said to him, uh, after USAs, I was like, do you want to do it between USAs and Worlds? He says, let's do it after Worlds. So, like, he's excited to just tell the full story of about this. But his training partner and, and former teammate at NAU, Luis Grijalva, um, Mac, is it possible for you to queue up this clip? It's Luis Grijalva uh, on my Twitter feed. Um I got the chance to talk to him in the mix zone because in Heat 2, which we'll analyze in just a bit, Luis was the guy who went and, and pushed the pace from the front. Like, that takes balls. I mean, he's gotten a chance to... He competed at the Olympics for Guatemala last year. He's a dreamer, um, which the story for him getting to the Tokyo Olympics was inspiring because he's representing, you know, more than just himself out there and his country. He's representing these dreamers in the United States. He doesn't get the opportunity to leave. Um, and so he go goes to Tokyo, you know, races there. This, this past spring also gets permission from the United States government to leave the country because if you're a dreamer, you can't leave the country or else it's called, it's like self deportation. And so, get special permission to go compete at two Diamond League races, gets a little taste of international racing experience, and maybe that's what we saw on display here today was a little bit more of that savviness and, and uh, the tactics that he's picked up from that. So then he makes it through into the next round. I said to him in the mix zone, what, is it, what does it mean for both you and Abdi, who are both training partners, uh, to qualify for the World Championship final together? Abdi, make it through to the final. How special is that? Considering the two of you have been, uh, you know, tuning up together, training all year long. Yeah, it's pretty special. Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it hit me, but uh, yeah, that guy's like my brother. So. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> I saw you make the new spot for NAU on there somewhere. Don't yeah, you? <laughs> I need a new patch, but um. Yeah, where uh, he came from and where I come from, uh, it's pretty special, honestly. How often do you two talk about this? <laughs> I don't, I don't this? know why. <laughs> it's got me, but uh, we've been through a lot together, and we're brothers, you know, best friends. We live together, and it's pretty special. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sure he told you, but he's staying in Flagstaff, so, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good, Luis. Yeah. 
first ever. So, so that was a really touching moment for him because in addition to that, like, I mean, I think what hit him was the fact that they get to be on the world stage together um, and share that moment. So it's a clip that is uh, currently blowing up on on Twitter and on uh, YouTube. But now it makes you a little bit more excited because those two share a story beyond uh, just the the track. And so um, I'm looking forward to it. So if we kind of want to, I guess, Kyle, from there, you want to take it and talk a and Mac as well, because Mac got a we were a bit tied up in the mix zone and didn't get to watch this race as closely. So, um, Mac, what did you what did you take away from the second heat of the men's 5K? Mac Fleek, everybody, our camera guy. If you can hear Mac in the chat, <laughs> give it th give a thumbs up. All right. Well, then let me touch on two yeah. athletes that I think um, we don't people aren't that familiar with yet. And part of the reason, and we said this in the 10K, like the Kenyan team is really young, and we aren't really familiar with them. But two athletes that have the two fastest time in. Two fastest times in the world this year from Kenya ran 12:46 earlier in the year in uh, Rome. Look excellent, and you know you had Nicholas Kip, Kip Courier, uh, I believe, also goes by Nicholas Camelli, and then the fastest time of the day was Jacob Krop, 13:13, uh, and that second heat, you know, they got moving early, and it was largely Luis who really mm -hmm. blew it open and he had a sizable gap at one point and that's you know the benefit of being in the second heat you know exactly what time you need to do you're crunching the numbers in your head you don't mind if other people come with you and they went and they did it uh the the big names from this heat like Mohamed and Jakob Ingebrigtsen who was did you see what he did the tell, last tell hundred me. tell us oh he started pumping up the crowd right he literally I don't even it wasn't even a race at that point it was literally just you talk about noah being a showman like i think it's him yeah. and it's funny because somebody went on twitter and was like i think uh we have to consider him the most confident like you know person in track and field i said unfortunately i believe that goes to fred curly um mm. but ingerbertson is definitely in a close second funny thing was when someone brought up in the mix on it was john jonathan gold from let's run.com he asked him like are you concerned about the heat uh, for the final because that was something that other athletes were, were talking about and he said no uh, what was it hot weather is happy weather that's true ah. and then I have one quick question about this distance stuff because there's probably other people who have a similar question so okay. I enjoy the segment so, so what I've seen from a lot of distance runners is like there will be people in the 15 and do it really well but then they'll also be in the 5k and the 10k and do it really well and i feel like for a sprinter that would probably be the equivalent of like being really good in the 100 but also really good in the eight and you don't see that so like i'm how do you go from like being like a, a, a super stellar like 1500 meter runner to also like making finals in the 10 and the 5k like because that, that's two yeah. completely different things yeah that's great question uh, really great question. question all right so traditionally in the distance events when you're younger you will start not everyone but generally like uh, an athlete will start in the 1500 because you have greater speed when you're younger and then as you get older and you develop your aerobic ability you slowly start to trend upwards so you know you may be a 1500 specialist when you're 
20 to 27 and then all of a sudden you know that 400 speed starts to not be quite what it used to be so you start dabbling in the 5k and what happens is you're accumulating the miles as well and you're way way stronger and so now you're better equipped to handle the 5k and then oftentimes like that goes even one step further and you see athletes who are previously good at the 1500 now good at the 10k now it's very unlikely that someone is in a championship competing in the 1500 and the 10k um for multiple reasons three rounds in the 1500 the 10k takes so much out of you the training between the 1500 and 10k are very different so you probably would never see that in one season but you might see someone with a great 1500 pr running really well in the 10k like oh i remember that guy from the 1500 last year but generally you're not going to see it in one you know peak part of the season um Unless you're Stefan Hassan, which is why Inger, it's so special. Well, wasn't Ingerson also in the 15 so, as well? But yeah. he's, he's having a fun time in the 5K. So then the, the 1500, and so the, you know, in the 5K, you can kind of approach it from two angles in which it's, I mean, these guys are running, you know, like 63 seconds, 62, 61. Like they're, they're running very fast. And so a lot of these 5K runners might be approaching it more from a 1500 angle in which they're competitive in the 1500 and then others are coming down from it from the 10K and um, it's kind of, you know, it's the meeting of the minds in the middle there. Um, Jakob, for example, despite, you know, setting an indoor world record in the 1500 this season or earlier this year, ran an 800 and then he ended up running a 346 mile the week after he ran an 800 a competitive 800 and he ran 147 Mm -hmm. which is not anywhere close i ran 147 (laughs) not today that was a 157 (laughs) but like the the difference between a 346 and a 147 uh, it's like totally different but then when you see him in a, a 5k all of a sudden i think his pr is 12 48 49 mm-hmm. 50 somewhere like that so he's really competitive in the 5k despite his 800 time he he not even close like he might not make it out of the first round if he specialized in it he would maybe be able to yeah. but because he attacks the 1500 from that strength angle he's sacrificing that speed that's a good question caitlin thank you because i because i feel like the only person <laughs> that i've seen like come close to doing something like that is a thing because like she was running like i, I remember the one time that she ran a 200 and everybody's like like dude if you wanted to do this like seriously like you would probably like scare the daylights out of everyone else who does specialize in a 200 so then i was thinking like oh it's like one day she's gonna run 100 and like obviously the 800 is her thing but you know seeing her like literally go from I guess if you want to call the 200 a short sprint. Yeah. Um, moving up to like the the long sprints. And then I don't, a lot of people are calling the 800 a long sprint now too. And so no, I don't really sprint. know. It's, so yeah, uh, <laughs> moving up to the longest of the longest yeah. sprints. It's like, can people like do this for real? Well, we saw a thing try to run the Milrose mile. And yeah. I say try because she ultimately didn't finish. But yeah. she was, she went for it. And, you know, a thing is definitely more of a four, eight runner and, but she's strong. And when we saw, she went out, she said, she tried to win, like Mm -hmm. she ran it to win and she held on for as long as she could. And I think she made it to about 1100, 1200 meters Mm -hmm. before she faded. And when she faded, she faded hard and ultimately decided not to run the last lap. And in that moment I saw oh, you're going to run like 355 one day in the 1500. Yeah, that's what was, that was going to be my next question. So watching her do that, do we see a future for her in the 15? I mean, we right now, 
Like, what do you think a thing could probably run in an open 400? 48.9? I think she could. Like, yes, I feel like if she, sure. if she yeah. went out there, because she, <laughs> yeah, she's no, a competitor. Like, she's not, she hasn't lost many races. Um, So I think she could definitely go out there and run a 48. I mean, um, wasn't she on the 4x4? Four four yeah, I mean, she's split 48. Like, yeah. like, she's... Oh, 48... Love, yeah, and she did it at NCAA's, um, like when she graduated that year as well. So, well, not graduated, she just went pro, she's that (laughs) damn good. But, um, I, I don't know, like you're saying, you know, as you get older, that that speed kind of deteriorates, but you know, like building up that uh, aerobic stuff, yeah, um, you like you still got that stuff behind you. So, I mean, maybe she could she could move up and, and be be really good. And what happens sometimes is consist you get when you're running and attacking things from a mileage angle and strength side of things it's a little bit easier to be consistent because you're not relying on just having like fresh poppy legs it's a little bit more like your lungs (laughs) can take on a lot of oxygen for your red (laughs) blood cells and that's like you know it's not as reliant on showing up on that day so oftentimes what we'll see is the athletes that are a little bit more strength oriented Mm -hmm. like they can their longevity and their consistency is sometimes a little bit better. And that's mm-hmm. why I have said in the past, like the hardest thing in the world is to peak an 800 runner. Like it is as much luck as it is art and science. Mm-hmm. So I think we've got David Melly in the house. Is he here right now? David Melly, who traveled all the way David, from Boston is finally making his debut Hi, on David. champs chats. David, Jasmine's tapping out. I, I got David, another uh, <laughs> David replaces Jasmine. Watch out, world. David, you just came back from the mix zone. Can you give us Melly's mix zone report? Oh, this would be a good segment the last few days. <laughs> oh, so I have to be in the mix zone? Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, was, uh, it was very interesting vibes in there, actually. You from, haven't been in like that situation before. You were asking some questions. I've like, been in mix zones rules? before. but, but Like at Worlds. I haven't been. Yeah, so yeah. the just have you guys talked about the mix zone at Worlds on a the pod? Little, a little bit. So like, there are a lot of rules about who can kind of ask what questions where. And mm-hmm. the long and short of it is, where uh, Sidious Mag's operational priority goes is last. Yeah. Um, so by the time folks get to us, internet like, press, hey, we're, not, we're, not just us, it's internet press. We're coming. Yeah. We're coming. Shout out to the internet press. It's us. We're here. Track, we have a, they gave us a lot of credentials. I'm not complaining. I'm happy to be here. But um, the, you know, by the time the the athletes get to us, they've they've answered a lot of questions uh, that are probably all the Americans are always pumped to see. It. Yeah, and so the. The interesting thing was there was, you know, so I basically saw the the podium of the both 200s and then the uh, I, I spoke with Joe Fonbelay who got fourth in the race as well. And you guys, I assume, has, have talked about the races. Who? Yeah, we, we I have, literally we, just walked in. No, you know, that so was I'm me. Not, you, yeah. you were in my shoes yesterday. So give us uh, Melly's mix zone report. Uh, what did Joe say? So Joe, so uh, just walking it through, like in terms of who is happy and who is not, I was pretty surprised, actually, because um you know, Joe was pretty bummed, which I do understand is like he got fourth and, and missed a medal. Um, that's pretty understandable. Um, and, and I think he, you know, had definitely was focused on, you know, coming back uh, next year even stronger. The, the interesting thing from our conversation was uh, towards the end of the, the section, I asked him kind of kind of facetiously. I was like, oh, do we have a big announcement coming? Um, and, you know, because he's he's accomplished a lot in the NCAA level and maybe there's not so much left to accomplish with 
with that level of competition. Um, and he said, uh, there's a big announcement coming in two days. Mm. And then made a little uh Isn't he signing, scheduled to be on our show in two uh, days? He no. <laughs> could be. Press conference. But but yeah, so he, he made we'll a little signing uh, sign with his hand, which you can you can watch on Twitter. Um, so so you know, we can't report anything yet, but we can report that that's what he said. Um, so I guess stay tuned for the next two days uh, on, on Joe Fonbele's future. We should get like a Nike and Adidas, a Puma hat, hat or shoe. Or, oh, I'm like going to get a poll signing going, like, people guessing. But um, the, so then, um, you know, Knighton, who got third. Was My pretty boy. happy. Like yeah. I thought he and and he's like a pretty Good. stoic guy in in the mix zones and someone you know I haven't been in the mix zone all week but the guy one of the guys next to me said that's the happiest I've seen him this whole week and he you know I don't know whether it was just the relief of you know kind of it being over and and just knowing the result but he was pumped to medal he was pumped to be there he clearly you know wants more but he he was really you know in a good spot and and Kenny Bednarik who. You know, I kind of thought like overachieved expectations by by getting another silver and, and beating Knighton was he was like definitely the least cheerful of the of the Team USA yeah. podium. He was kind of he was not super happy. And, and again, like they're tired. It's been a long day. You know, it's been emotional. Like you don't never know how he's going to feel tomorrow morning. But but he was definitely feeling like he had more to go. And, you know, obviously kind of looking at the future of of the 200 for the men with all these guys being so young, like. Keeping him hungry is definitely good. And then, you know, obviously Noah was just, he was just Noah Lyles. Like he, he talked to every single like stop in the media for so long. And even by the time he got to us, he was animated and excited. And he's, you know, he's excited for himself, but he's so excited for the future of track and field and, and American track and field. Like he's talking about, you know, what we can do next. And, and I think that really kind of speaks to his his attitude about this whole thing. Did he talk about ripping his? I top? Try, I asked him if. Uh, yeah, what was he wearing? Uh, was he shirtless in the mix? No, he was wearing a shirt. It okay. was like a. It was warm ups. I think it was, it was. But he was. I asked him if he planned the celebration, and he like cruised right past me because someone else asked a conversation at the same time. So, so if we get him, uh, you know, on chan- on Sidious Mag Live, we'll have to ask him there. But. Yeah, we're gonna try our best. Um, real quick, the reporter who had seen Ariane Happy for the. Uh, you know, the happiest he'd ever seen him has obviously never been to Bahama Breeze with him. Mac and I have experienced <laughs> going to Bahama Breeze with Arian Knight. And let me tell you, that kid loves his, uh, what was it, like fettuccine Alfredo with chicken? I we think all love fettuccine Alfredo with Something chicken. Something like that. I, I, I just I had the exactly the same thing as him. Well, and you also got to realize, you know, obviously, like, the performance pressure when you're that young is a lot. But also the media pressure, like, just, you know, having 10 cameras stuck in your face four times in a row after like one of the most emotional moments of your life. That's, that's just a lot to deal with. And, and the fact that he is kind of navigating that well was, was really, um, was really interesting. Um, and then on the women's side, just oh, yeah. quickly. So, so Dean Asher Smith was like thrilled. She's like, I don't know if, if fans are like super familiar with, with her and, and her kind of vibe, but she's like the most positive, nice person to talk to. And she's just, she was just so like, you know, positive energy, super infectious. It was, it was wonderful. And then Shelly Ann, like you'd think like somebody as, you know, competitive as her who's won so many times, she was not sad to get second. Like she was <laughs> the bubbliest person in the mix zone. She was bouncing through. She was making jokes. Like she was having a great time. So clearly she's she's just like riding this team Jamaica high. And then Wait, we can queue up the clip. Uh, Mac, if you want to pull up this clip that is currently going viral on our uh, Twitter page, Sharika Jackson, something that uh, 
Yep, from the Sidious Mag account that David um, tweeted out about uh, 40 minutes ago. So can you kind of cue this up for us? Like, what, what, what was leading into this before we rolled the clip? Sure, and, and, and again, like, well, I mentioned, like, you know, how many kind of stops you have to go through in the mix zone. Like, by the time Sharika got to us, like, she just looked tired. Like, I think she was just, she's definitely not as, like, much of a big personality as Shellyanne. And, like, I think she just even like kind of during the normal questioning part of the conversation like she was clearly happy and like was you know had had such a big moment but like i i think she just was really just like overwhelmed and and obviously um you know having you know so often it's like the jamaican sweep or, or elaine and Shellyanne, like and, and having like the spotlight on her you know obviously is, is just a lot to deal with after after such a big moment so uh did she mac mac has got it queued up let's see if we can roll the tape There's one person in history who's run faster than you tonight. I'm wondering what you make of the current world record. Do you, do you believe in that time? What kind of question is that supposed to be? Well, there's some questions about... Isn't it the world record? It is the world record. So why do you think I need to question the world record? There are some questions well, about... Well, that, that's not me. Okay. That question is so rude of you to ask. Okay, thank you. So... Explain what just happened in that. Sure. So basically, uh, you know, uh, a, a, another running website, and you know, you can say who, you can say who it was. It's fine. Uh, so John Gall from Let's Run asked, you know, um, <laughs> um, uh, is you, you know, given all of the kind of uh, you know speculation, rampant speculation that uh, there historically has been around you know, Flojo's records and, and their legitimacy and, and in general, just sprint records from the eighties and nineties. Um, you know, there, he basically said, you know, do you, do you have doubts about that record? And, you know, on one hand, I kind of see it both ways. Like that's, that's a fair question. Like, I think that, you know, a, just from a journalism standpoint, it's like, this is a reality of track and field that we have to grapple with constantly. And, and, you know, having to, you know, I got a lot of interesting response and I tweeted basically just pointing out that, you know, when, when Curly ran, nine seven six that four of the five guys ahead of him on the all-time list have, have served suspensions for doping and and that it changes how we perceive the present to have the past exist in the form that it does and and that's a very complicated question but it's one that i i think athletes you know should have a voice in because it affects them so in some sense i don't you know begrudge john for asking that question but at the same time it's like What's she gonna say, man? Like, <laughs> like it's a lose. Did lose, you take like people know that wasn't you asking the no, question? No, yeah. no, I, well, I think that should be made clear because like there's a lot of responses on Twitter no, right I now. I phrased it pretty diplomatically on Twitter of of you know a question was asked. Yeah, um, yeah, but um, you know, catching it's like, straight. What do you say? Like you're like you're either like like. I have full confidence that that's the legit world record, at which point half the internet's like, you're an idiot. And then, or you're like, the record's bullshit, at which half the internet is like, like, yeah. you're just mad because she beat you, you know, you hate I, America. Like, it's just a lose-lose. And it's, and again, like, I just think, and so it's a little bit hard to hear in the clip, but she just says, like, she's like, what, what kind of question is that? Like, and she says before she walks away, she said, that was just such a rude question to ask. And then she walked, I kind of was like, I, I guess I don't, super understand why she took it so like personally like i think that well, and again which is why i think like she's on a high and and i think it comes down to like it's just so and yeah it's like give her a microphone caitlin wants out anyways get out of here caitlin oh, sorry. <laughs> 
Tag team. We're gonna tag team here, guys. Uh, it's my turn to come in. Um, it, it's funny because my mom had actually sent me the video via DM um, from the Sidious page, of course. And uh, for I think for most sprinters, one, it's it's taking away from her moment. You're you're now asking her about something that one would put her in a hot seat in the highlight of her moment. She just won a gold medal. And then you're gonna put her in this controversy of, so do you even think that that, that world record is legitimate? So no matter what response she puts, if she was to actually had said something, she's going to get someone attacking her from either way. And then at the end of the day, it's, it's a world record. What is she gonna do? Say, yeah, no, I don't think it's legitimate. What, <laughs> what is that gonna do? You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I think that's just kind of where it comes from. What's it called? From. Entrapment? Is that what it is? Well, yeah. and that's where I come back to like, you know, I think maybe if you were a little just like fresher and you were prepared for the question, you kind of just say like no common and, and move on. But it does, you know, it does speak to the fact that it's just like, it's a really long, I was literally standing, you know, by the time she came through, it was probably oh, well over an hour after, you know, the, the women had run and, and done the victory laps and everything. So it's like, yeah, I think, you know, it's just like, uh, there's a little bit of a straw that broke the camel's back for her as well. And, and I do think like it, it also speaks to, you know, one of the things I, I like am in the process of writing about in the Sidious Mag newsletter, which will come <laughs> out tomorrow morning is like, we hype up this Jamaican American rivalry and that, you know, and I think that is one of the fun things about being a track yeah. and field fan, but it's also like one of the things about tonight that was so great is like, we just everybody got something like yes. the Jamaican fans got to celebrate and the American fans got to celebrate and like who doesn't want that like everybody yeah. leaves happy you know yeah and the, I think the one part that is I over the years we've seen some of the Jamaican women don't open up to the U.S. media as much and I think it's multiple times things like this happening that like yeah prevent us from making any sort of strides forward it's like getting these sort of questions like we know you might have the headline or story because we know like that that's the angle that they were sort of looking for no matter which way the answer would have gone and so um even that reaction you know is is enough for them to then take and run with and so uh, it just in we set ourselves back i think a little bit here as well with like having being able to tell their stories as well like i i wish it's part of the reason why shelly ann has all these medals and isn't as heralded as big of a star I think is also because, you know, there's moments like that where she's probably gotten the same exact questions that Sharika Jackson has gotten today. And it's annoying because, like, one way or another, she's going to be made out to be a villain uh, for whatever answer she decides to give. And I guess Bolt never really had that problem because he broke the world records. And that's why he was, like, this big star in the mainstream U.S. media as well. And the U being big in the U.S. media does a lot for, you know, the global landscape. And so, you know... The hope is that, you know, someone like Sharika Jackson and Shelly Ann Fraser-Price can get, you know, one day, hopefully, break the world record. That's exciting for everybody, but also so that moments like this stop happening. Yeah, I think that Team Jamaica is very, very, um, they're very picky on what questions they answer because they do know that stories can be flipped and turned. And so that's one thing that I will say that journalists should probably look out for is to be careful with what questions you are asking some of these athletes, because if we want to bring out personalities and we want questions that are questions answered, there's times and places 
for those questions to be answered. And a question like that at a time like this is not an appropriate time to ask that question. Yeah, well, Jasmine, I think also, right, you made the point a couple days ago about just like so many of these Jamaican women uh, have come from nothing before. And yes. like that now all of a sudden, like they've built themselves up. They are national heroes. And for them to then start to take bad head, you know, shots in the headlines for, you know, speaking on something like this, then it's sort of like, that's what the you know people will see in in the in the media and i think it's it's more appropriate now to celebrate this and then there's she's this time is going to hold up for a bit i'm i'm um, i'm happy to say and so she's going to take multiple shots at the world record going forward and so um there's going to be other chances and i unfortunately i think this means this question is going to continue to be asked in, in different ways in different times because not every member of the media was in this space now. And, you know, there's going to be the next Diamond League that she goes to. Someone's going to ask her, are you thinking about the world record? And so that's the frustrating part with athletes is sometimes they get pin pigeonholed into these storylines. So Well, and it's very interesting, I think, too, like, you know, you talk about them being such a big deal and, and national heroes. And, we, you know, we've joked about, like, oh, Jamaican Twitter, you know, whenever anything happens that concerns <laughs> Jamaican track and field athletes, like, like they go off yes. about it and like i think that is kind of the double-edged sword of like how of how big track and field is in their country it's like that they're they're treated much more like you know top tier celebrities and with all the good and bad that that comes from and you think about like some of the questions serena williams has had to deal with in in press conferences or lebron james and it's you know there's a lot more of that kind of like the good and the bad yeah. when you're so big. And, yeah. and I think that they have to deal with that in a much more real way than maybe, you know, a big American track and field star who's, you know, still a big deal, but is not necessarily dealing with that kind of like, almost like paparazzi level scrutiny all the time. Yeah. Kyle, any parting thoughts on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> You guys crushed it. <laughs> uh, no comment from yeah. Kyle Merber. No. no comment. No, it's also funny for me to see just like sometimes how Kyle navigates the, the mix zone. He's like, oh, that person had a bad race. I'm staying out of it. <laughs> Mood. Yeah. That's how hey. I am too now. Yeah. I'm no shame. No, <laughs> I said it today. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't let me in the media 800. <laughs> well, um, we, were, we had to deal with all the controversy around Dana's shoes. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we were filing, uh, you know, appeals and, Look, and dealing with the, the world athletics judges. And I'll say this about my coverage of track and field. I am not big J journalism. <laughs> I did not go to journalism school. You're a marketing am, guy. I'm a marketeer by trade. <laughs> I market the sport. And when someone comes in and they are sad and they don't want to talk, I leave that to the journalist. I, I will say, <laughs> like, I, I actually enjoy, you know, and, and I think a big part of being a good a good member of the media and an effective one is kind of being able to read people and to respond to their vibe. But, you know, yeah. one of the things I always like is I like the kind of like the lonely, sad interview that no one else. If someone wants to. to yeah. It. You have to yeah, realize yeah. that they're open to that. Well, but, uh, Chris, I, Chris won't say what athlete, but today we had one interview with mm -hmm. an athlete and they, they did it out of respect of, you know, us, knowing us, of knowing us and being friends. They, they were happy to, record an interview and afterwards Chris just immediately said to them like I'm not going to post it like you, you, you go take your time and like we're wishing you the best and yeah. so um you're so those, sweet Chris yeah yeah <laughs> well, like if you don't want to do it like and you're just doing it out of obligation yeah. and it's, it's like in that 
for a lot of the athletes, it's like you're still trying to figure out what happened yourself. I also like you don't think have that's any what big makes us yet. so great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just so gonna throw that out. Look into that camera. Yeah. All right, Chris. All right, Track Smith, twenty percent off. Use code Worlds. <laughs> worlds at checkout. Tracksmith.com. Check them out. You've only got three more days uh, to use it, so um, be sure to take advantage of it while you can. Many thanks to Tracksmith for supporting us. Uh, today, actually, there was a press conference uh, during the meet that was going on where John uh, Carlos and Tommy Smith took the stage with uh, Max Siegel, who will be a guest on Sidious Mag Live tomorrow. Um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos big part of Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Legacy of Speed podcast that is presented by Pushkin Industries, Tracksmith, and Puma. Um, so be sure to check that out wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Hayward Magic moment of the night. Hayward Magic is the internet home for the diehard fans. Be sure to follow them on Instagram. Let's go around. Jasmine, Hayward Magic moment of the night. Kung Fu Kenny. Okay. Taking, taking that wow. silver medal in the 200. I, I know everyone's going to talk about the 200, so that's that's I'll, I'll avoid it just to mix it up. But Luis Grijalva qualifying in the 5K was just such a that was such a cool moment for him, and and, and I hope he runs great in the final. I'm going to take the Noah Lyles <laughs> American yeah, record, the easy double <laughs> world champion gold. Uh, I'll take uh, Arian Knighton winning his first ever medal. That's my your God. boy. That's my boy. Uh, you could have come in last and you'd be like, I'm proud oh, of the yeah. kid. Uh, he's the youngest ever sprinter to win a world championship medal. The first one of many. Unfortunately, he's not going to pull off the MJ gold move and only have golds. This is a bronze. It's a step forward. I am still on the Arian Knighton train, but I'm also on the Noah Lyles train. I'm like a uh, subway train, commuter yeah. where I take the, <laughs> the E to the F to the B to the C. I'll jump on any train. Can we get someone me. in here to say that Sharika was their magic moment? <laughs> you know what? Like, I was uh, trying to mix it up. Goes, and then... You know, I was on the episode, but Sharika was my magic moment. There you go. The there you go. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Champs Chats on the Sidious Mag podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. And if you're watching right now on YouTube, smash that subscribe button because we are hitting you with daily shows on YouTube for all of the world championships. If this is your first time tuning in, go back and watch some of the episodes. I mean, it feels like today, yesterday's episode was nearly four hours. Like, we are. <laughs> we traded people in and out a little bit. Yeah. Were you on the whole time? Today? Yeah. Yeah, did you, I was. Did you use the bathroom once? <laughs> no, I'm good about that. Like, <laughs> nice. This is I, why me and Kyle switch out frequently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so thanks everyone for watching. We will see you guys again tomorrow. Mac Fleet, hit the music. <laughs> <laughs>